Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast, where I go in-depth with the most intriguing people in the world of soccer. In this episode, I'm joined from Columbus, Ohio, by Mark Titus of The Ringer and One Shining Podcast. Mark is a huge Columbus Crew fan, and we talk about the inspiring story of Save the Crew. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. Onward! Our guest today is Mark Titus. He's a writer at The Ringer, the host of the terrific college basketball podcast, One Shining Podcast, and a former basketball player at Ohio State. For our purposes, he's also a huge fan of the Columbus Crew, which has provided us with one of the most remarkable stories in the history of MLS, with the crew being saved and now on course for what could be a giant turnaround in Columbus, Ohio. Mark, coming to us from Columbus, Ohio, thanks for coming on the show. I, I'm very happy to be here. It is a great time to be a crew fan. Uh, that is something I've not been saying a lot lately, so I'm going to keep saying it because uh, just it, it's it's been a very long time since I've said those words. So I'm I'm I, it, it's awesome. It's like 20 degrees outside in Columbus right now, and I don't even care because <laughs> the team is back, and that's all that matters. <laughs> so we're recording this on January 10th, and yesterday uh, they had this big. Uh, sort of gala announcement uh, of new ownership for the Columbus crew uh, of Caleb Porter is the new coach of Tim Bezbachenko is the new president. And before I get into your thoughts on that day yesterday, I want to go back to a different day. And I want to ask you, where were you on the night of October 16th, 2017, when the news came out that Columbus was likely to move to Austin, Texas. I will I will never forget where I was. I was laying in my bed, uh, checking Twitter as I'm wont to do before I go to bed, just to make sure I don't miss anything, make sure I can turn my phone off so that I'm not missing some big story. And lo and behold, uh, your face pops up on my timeline. <laughs> and I couldn't believe the words. Like I, I had to read the tweet like five different times to fully understand what was happening. And I was like, th- th- this can't be true. Like you it doesn't work this way. This isn't how it happened. Like if I, I was just so confused. I, I, I just, I, I was frozen in bed. Like I, I didn't sleep the rest of the night. I don't think, I mean, I was like calling, I was trying to text people within the crew that I know, like what's going on, what is happening. I was like, well, we don't really know either. What is this? Um, I, I it was a whirlwind for me, but it, it felt, uh, I, I don't want to use the word surreal because that's kind of overplayed at this point, but, um, it, it definitely did not feel like this could, this was even possible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I was kind of like, I, I reached a point, it was like 4 a.m. or something. I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to bed. I'll wake up. I'm sure it's a mistake. I'm sure, listen, I, I love Grant. I'm sure he does a great job, but I'm sure he, he misheard something. He's reporting this wrong. Um, we're, we'll be fine. This is going to be fine. And then it was not. And, uh, but then it is. And that's the, that's the, we're, we're back. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I guess if you go back to, that first week or so when you learned the news out uh, this is right after the u.s men's national team had failed to qualify for the world cup right. so it was not a good week for soccer fans in ohio um but it didn't take too long did it how did the save the crew movement develop from your perspective Oh, it was immediate. Um, I I saw people just like immediately reaching out. It's very strange because I uh, 
I, I, I don't want to stroke my ego too much, but like I, I work in national media and I sort of have like a national presence. And I think um, they're the, the people behind the Save the Crew movement like kind of saw that like I could be an ally in this because I, I had season tickets for five years. I, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I, I was at a lot of these games. I, I genuinely do love the crew. Uh, people, even now, my friends who are into soccer will, will ask me who my favorite teams are. And I'm just like, I have one favorite team. It's the Columbus Crew. And they're like, no, man, but for real, like, who's your team? Are you like a Liverpool guy? I was like, I like the crew. I don't, I don't, I mean, like, I'll watch the Premier League. I don't really care who wins any of the Premier League games. The only team I care about is the crew. Um, so the save the crew, like, it was almost immediately people started tweeting at me and they're like, Titus, what can you do? And I was like, I don't really know what to do. I don't even, I, I have no idea what's even going on. This is, I'll, I'll do what I can. Um, as it turns out, like, all I could really do is just, like, tweet about it every so often. I was like, I don't have as much power as you guys think I have. Uh, but it was very immediate. And, um, to, to their credit, like they were steadfast, and I we, we had a we had a rally in downtown Columbus at City Hall, uh, a big Save the Crew rally. I forget the timeline of all this. It's, it was kind of a whirlwind, but it was it was pretty quickly after the news broke. Mm-hmm. And they, they asked me to come down and speak, and um, I remember going to it thinking like, not this is going to be dumb. There's going to be thirty people there at most. Um, I like they can't honestly believe that like this is going to do anything. And uh, I, I didn't even really prepare because I was like, "What? Who cares? I'm going to be talking in front of nobody. Uh, I, I'm, this isn't really a thing." And I get down there, and there were people just like every. I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of people. Uh, it was crazy how many people showed up. Like former crew players were there. Um, I was very in over my head. I was like, "Why would you guys ask me to speak at this thing? Like, let let the real people talk." Uh, and I was like blown away. I was like, "Oh!" I remember thinking at that moment, like. I don't know if we're going to save the team. I don't know if this group can save the team, but I, I, I was a hundred percent sure that they were going to give everything they had. And, and even if they lost the team, that was the other thing was like, even if we lost the team, they were going to find a way to get the team back. Um, and I knew that. So like, I felt really good at that point. Uh, but it was immediate and, and I, I can't, it's honestly like inspiring. It's, it's, it's crazy. I, I know it's my team. I know like people, if you're not really into the story or whatever, you don't really care. It's, it's just soccer. It's just sports. Who really cares? But just to see people like take on the man and win is like I, I it, it makes no sense. It's crazy. <laughs> so at what point in this whole process, like if you had asked me for much of a probably a year long period what was going to happen, I would have said the crew's going to Austin. Right. Like at what point did there actually appear to be a real chance in your mind that columbus might actually stay the crew might stay in columbus so for me i i first of all i should i should preface it i i, I made all the wrong moves as a fan um and I, <laughs> I i've learned that i learned that pretty quickly like the first thing i did when the news broke is i canceled my season tickets and then at the rally um i kind of give my speech and kind of tell my story how i became a crew fan how i got into it and all that and then like the person who comes after me was like Thanks, Mark. And, and before we go, just as a reminder, fans, do not cancel your season tickets. We need to support this team. And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I took like the exact opposite attitude. Um, I, I, I was done with the team. I mean, I, I know some of the players personally. I've gotten to know a handful of those guys, and I, I would talk to them, and like they were like, listen, man, do whatever you got to do. Like We know you, you support us, but we also understand uh, to hell with pre-court. Like, you, don't need to, you don't need to explain it to us. So um, – I kind of like didn't follow the developments because I was like, I don't want my heart broken anymore. I don't want to just read, get my hopes up and all this kind of stuff. I'll wait for like official word. And the first time I remember something popping up on my radar and thinking, wait, we might have something here was the Modell law that Ohio had passed. Mm-hmm. And someone 
brought that up to me that, uh, and, and I, don't, I don't need to explain it to you, I'm sure, but uh, maybe for the listeners that don't know, was when our model took the team, took the Browns from Cleveland, Ohio passed a law that said basically like if, you probably know more than me, Grant, but like basically if, if taxpayers have helped this team in any way, shape, or form, like mm-hmm. you have to sell the team to a local buyer if a local buyer exists. Um, so when that popped up, I was like, oh, we're good. Because I, I knew that people in Columbus, I, I knew that there were people that wanted to keep the team, like not just fans. I knew there were mm-hmm. like investors. I knew that that I was like, there are going to be buyers that want to buy this team. And I was like, I, I, I think we got something here. And as it turns out, we did. So uh, that, that was pretty much it. When I when I learned of the Model Law, I was like, this is going to work out in our favor. Because if nothing else, it's going to drag on long enough. The pre-court's just going to kind of give up. And they'll figure something else out. They'll figure out a different way to get his team to Austin. So um, that, that was it. That was the moment for me. And then there was a, a day a couple of months ago, right, when it wasn't officially signed over to the Haslam's that the crew had been saved, but MLS went so far as to announce that they were nearing an agreement to keep yeah. the crew in Columbus. What were you doing that day? Oh, I uh, I didn't believe it. I again, I was like, yeah, whatever. Like, I don't, <laughs> <laughs> good, good one, MLS. Yeah, like I'm gonna I'm gonna bite on this. I was like, when when like honestly, it was up until yesterday. Until I saw like the press conference. Until I saw like Caleb Porter and I saw like the Haslam's and Pete Evers like holding their holding their jerseys up. I was like, I don't believe any of this. I, I'm going to, I'm going to be cautiously optimistic. Um, so yeah, I, I, I was, I was, ex- it was, you know, I had a lot of uh, friends and family were calling me and were like, is it, is it, did it happen? I was like, I think so, but let's, uh, I'm not, I'm not ready to celebrate yet. I mean, we're going to keep the cork in the champagne for now. So, <laughs> so uh, let me step back a, a little bit too, because I kind of am curious to hear a little bit about your origin story with mm-hmm. following the crew, because not everyone who's young in Columbus or associated with Ohio state has gotten into the crew clearly. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, uh, I, I would say I'm the most unlikely Columbus crew fan that's ever lived. Um, I, I grew up in Indiana. Uh, I was basketball. Basketball was my first sport, second sport, third sport. It was all I ever cared about was basketball. Uh, I was a very stereotypical, um, American with my views on soccer, mm-hmm. which, uh, I probably wasn't as aggressive with my hatred of soccer, but it was just kind of like, really? I mean, I, 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 if you definitely would have asked me when I was like 17, 18, I would have been like, yeah, soccer is very lame. Um, I would, you wouldn't catch me. I've never, I've never played organized soccer in my life. Um, it's, it's just not something I'm into. Uh, but then the, the 2006 world cup happened when I, I was a senior in high school and I had just graduated high school and it was the summer and I was just kind of laying around and watching TV, whatever. And I started watching the world cup and, uh, I saw Wayne Rooney get his red card against Portugal. This was like the pivotal moment of my soccer fandom, uh, because in my mind, I, I, again, I was a stereotypical, I, I, I learned the error in my ways, but in my, back then, like I was, soccer's are a little wusses like they're not as tough like soccer players aren't really that tough it's not a real sport i had all these thoughts you know um and then i watched wayne rooney get his red card against portugal i was like i like that guy like if that like we need more soccer players like that guy because i thought he was like i found out he's like 19 years old or something and he's just uh i don't need to recount i'm I'm sure most people remember how he got his red card (laughs) just stomping on so anyway um that happens. I started getting into soccer because of that. I was like, oh, so not not every soccer player is the same. There are kind of different variety, whatever. I started watching. I started playing FIFA as a lot of people my generation get into soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I was the same way. I played FIFA. had a lot of fun with that. Started watching Premier League games. And then I learned 
uh, as I was at Ohio State, I learned that we had a like in 2008. I was a sophomore when the the best crew team of all time was mm-hmm. doing their thing, and they won MLS Cup. Um, and I went to a couple of those games, and I was like immediately hooked when I went mm-hmm. and I saw it in person. Uh, just watching guys warm up, just watching the way that like, it's it's stuff so simple, just like just the way they kick the ball across the field and they curve it and they put it on a dime. I'm like, oh my god, like it looks so easy on TV, but I'm standing there thinking like, there's no way I couldn't even kick a ball. 10 yards straight like this is insane uh so i, I had a great appreciation for it then kind of dabbled like I, i'd watch a crew game here or there go if friends had tickets uh and then in 20 i think it was 13 i want to say in the lead up to the 2014 world cup um the usa mexico game was coming up mm-hmm. and i i had mentioned to friends and family how badly i wanted to go to that game because i'd kind of gotten into i was sort of a soccer fan at this point and then uh, one of my friends wanted to get me tickets for uh that game and they found out that it's they're really hard to get but the easiest way to get them is to get crew season tickets then mm-hmm. you're on a priority list to then get tickets to that game so they bought me crew season tickets uh just for that usa mexico game huh. um I, I i didn't expect to really use the tickets but i was like what the hell if i have the tickets i might as well go to some of these games and i went to nordeca i'll never forget my first game it, it was nordeca season tickets the very first game i ever went to and i sat in nordeca i i got there early i i saw they had drums set up so I was like, ooh, I want to get like the full experience. I want to really get into this. So I, I went and I sat right by the drums, um, not, knowing, not knowing what I was doing. Uh, and like it, it, the drums are pounding. I have no idea what the chants are. I'm just like, whoa, this is wild. And then, and then we score a goal. The crew score a goal. And all of a sudden, I just feel it raining all over me. And I'm, I look up and there's not a cloud in the sky. I'm like, what is this? And I start smelling my clothes. I'm like, is this beer? Did people throw beer all over me? And um. At that moment, like that was my first taste of soccer fandom. Not like soccer, like interest in soccer, not uh, liking a team. I, I don't know. That was my first interest. Like, oh, okay, so this is what soccer fandom culture is. I was hooked, uh, and then the rest is history. So that's pretty much it. It was like I, if eighteen year old me was the most unlikely crew fan ever, and just it just kind of happened organically. And uh, ever since then, I was like, like the next year comes around. Obviously, you, the Me- Mexico USA game is not happening in Columbus again. I was like, I don't care. I'm, I got to go back to these crew games. This is a ton of fun. I started. I eventually started going by myself. That's how I knew I really was into it because <laughs> I would usually take friends to come sit in Nordega with me. And then there were sometimes like friends would be out of town. I couldn't really find anybody. I was like, screw it. I'll just go by myself and, and hang with the, the, the lunatics in Nordega. So uh, that's pretty much it. That's, that's how I got here. Nice. That's a great story. Um, in terms of your favorite crew figures of all time associated with the team, who are your, your favorites and who are your sort of you know, biggest enemies that you've come across in your crew fandom? Okay. So my, my favorite is I'm trying to, th- I'm trying not to be stereotypical. Cause like, honestly, it, really, if I take a step back and have perspective, my favorite has to be Frankie Haydick. Uh, right. be- and obviously, um, and, and it goes beyond just like his playing career. For me, it's like the guy is still sticking around in Columbus. If you really think about it, like this is a man who I'm pretty sure he grew up in San Diego, right? went to UCLA, and now calls Columbus, Ohio home when he really doesn't have to at all. Like it's, it's kind of staggering that I, I don't know. It just doesn't really fit um, for a Southern California guy to be like, you know, I really love it in Columbus, Ohio. So – I love Frankie for that reason because I think uh, for me, like when I travel across the country and people wonder why I still live here and, and when, when are you trying to get out and all that kind of stuff, it's like, I don't know, man, it's, it's home. I kind of like it. So to have someone kinda like Frankie who's like, yeah, Columbus is awesome. I love it here. Uh, that is awesome to me. 
Um, beyond that, I don't really know. I love Will Trapp, obviously captain on the team now, but I, I love that he's local. That was another thing with like all the, the losing of the team. Uh, I felt for guys like him and, and, and Josh Williams from Akron, uh, those, those kinds of guys. Justin Mirams from Michigan, which, you know, he, he went to Michigan, and we won't hold that against him, but uh, he'll tell you. He'll tell you he's a Midwestern guy at heart, and he's a Columbus guy at heart now. So um, it, that was the thing for me was, like, uh, unlike a lot of the other professional leagues where they lose teams and all that kind of stuff, there's a there's a lot of local flavor with the, with the roster even on this team. And uh, those are some of the guys that, that I got – I've gotten to know some of them pretty well. And uh, um, I don't know. I, I kind of like them all. That, that's a, the other fun thing about being a, a soccer fan and not really knowing much about the sport. Uh, I, I, I feel like I'm a, I, I know a ton about basketball. I could talk basketball strategy all day. I've been watching soccer for a long time, and I still can't pick up the X's and O's. You sent me your book, and I was reading it. I was like, my God, like Grant, you should. I am. I should be your favorite reader ever because like you would blow my mind if you just started talking about like elementary stuff with soccer because I know nothing. Um, but part of it, though, honestly, that's what makes it fun for me is that uh, it's like the one place. Like when I go to crew games, it's the one place I can just be like a fan. Like I don't have to be an analyst. I don't have to like, figure out a way to, to to explain this to other people. I just like I go. I'm not really sure what I'm watching. I love everything. Uh, I, I, I obviously, I mean, I'm not that dumb. I, I'm kind of downplaying my knowledge of soccer, but um, I do love everyone on the team. Like I, I genuinely love every single player. Like uh, there, there, there are people in Nordeco who complain about certain guys. They're like, man, he's been off the last few weeks. I don't, I'm like, I don't know, man, he's trying his best. Let's cheer him <laughs> on. Um, so I'm like one of those kinds of fans when it comes to soccer and it's only soccer. Any other sport I'm watching, I'd be right there with them. I'd be like, come on, get it together, guys. What are we doing? But uh, with the crew, I'm just like, I love you guys. <laughs> do, you have, do you have any guys on opposing teams over the years that you've grown to hate? Um, Yeah, but I don't think it's worth talking about them. <laughs> That's I the thing, know. though. I mean, like, it's, I, I think MLS needs more villains to an extent. And yeah. I think Ibrahimovic to an extent is – is embracing that a little bit as he goes around the country. Obviously, he's a tremendous player, um, but really, go ahead. I hated, I hated the entire. Ro- it's really weird having Caleb Porter being the coach now because I hated the entire roster of the Timbers team that beat us in Plus <laughs> Cup for for years and years. And uh, it's one of those things like like we announced Caleb Porter. I was, I'm very excited because you know he has the Akron ties beyond that, and I know he's a great coach and and it's awesome. But uh, I won't lie. Like part of me was like, "Isn't that the guy that broke my heart?" Um, and, and to watch the the, I, the MLS Cup thing, like we we hosted MLS Cup, I believe it was 2015. Um, and and when we hosted that thing, I I got there. I was sitting in Nordeck at like two and a half hours before kickoff. Like the second the gates opened, I busted in there, ran straight to the bar, bought two beers, and, and like staked out my seat and just sat there and was like, "I'm going to take this entire experience in. Everything about my soccer fandom had led to this moment." And then Portland scores like ten seconds into the game, <laughs> and I remember just like, no, like it was, it was pretty much the same feeling as when I saw your tweet that the team was leaving. I was like, this can't be real. Like this just can't. Like it, you know, there's no way that this is possible. Um, so I kind of hated that whole team to be honest with you. Like I see those guys, I still get flashbacks. Just uh, pretty much every. I don't even want to name names because it's like the entire roster. Uh, um, and then the second goal was the worst, man. When the ball was out of bounds and the ref didn't call it, and and then people started throwing beer cans and like I saw people on Twitter like such a disgraceful display from crew fans. I was like, I don't know, man. The ball was out of bounds. <laughs> like, listen, I didn't throw any beer, but like I get it. I get it. The ball was out of bounds. <laughs> so so looking at the save the crew story now, who for you are the biggest heroes in the story? Who are the biggest villains? in the story 
I don't. I mean, the biggest villain is obviously Precor, um, <laughs> which is is a no brainer. Uh, the thing, what's crazy, and I'm not just saying this as as revisionist history. What's crazy is I vividly remember like him buying the team, and then just sort of the changes that happened. And and I, I remember thinking like how hard it was to watch games on TV, mm-hmm. and thinking like this is so. And 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 I, again, I was doing my thing where I was like, I'm going to support the team no matter what. So whatever. So I didn't really want to like publicly complain about it because I was like, oh, I'm maybe this is an MLS thing. Maybe I'm, uh, maybe it works differently than the the NBA or. NFL or whatever, but man, this is really weird that like when the crew play on the road, I have no way of watching them play. This is very mm-hmm. bizarre. And I would go to the games, and it would take like three hours to get out of the parking lot. Uh, even when you go to the games, like th- there would only be like one or two gates open, and they're really long lines, and it was impossible to get in. And um, unless you got there early, you probably missed kickoff. Um, so all this stuff, I remember thinking about it, and then the moment the news broke, I was like, oh my god. This was all. This was all by design. This guy was doing this by design. Um, but the one thing, and, and this is the coolest part about it all, is the one thing that he didn't think of, that the MLS didn't think of, that they didn't realize with all of this, is that by creating all of these barriers to be a crew fan, w- what you did was that you you conditioned the people who jumped over all those barriers. You conditioned them to be determined to be crew fans. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the people who survived that process of not being able to follow the team as easily as they should have and not being able to, you know, making, making it a pain in the ass to go to games in person, um, all those people that survived that process were very, very passionate uh, about this. And when you try to take their team away, of course they're going to lose their minds um, because look, look at what they put up with, you know, like look what it took for them to be fans in the first place. So uh, I would say like the heroes for me, like I, obviously I think Morgan Hughes gets a lot of, uh, he, he's the guy that, that that's kind of been spearheading the the crew, the save the crew movement. He's he's been very modest and humble about it all, and says it's like a team effort. But he, he's the guy that that certainly has been reaching out to me and and mm-hmm. uh, talking a lot about that. But uh, I, I think that's really it. Like like it's it's not just Morgan Hughes. It's like people like him that are within the within the save the crew movement. That's what it is. It's the people. That's really it. It's like there's not. I don't really. I mean, it's easy to point to, to the Haslam's and the Edwards and say, "You guys saved us. Thank you so much." But I don't really think that's how the story should be told. I think it really is just the people of Columbus, the fans of the crew. Um, I'll exclude myself. I'm not even trying to say like I really did anything. It's just watching people, just ordinary people, say, "No, I'm not going to accept this. That's that's not how this is going to go." And they just fought and fought and fought and uh, found a way. And it, it's it's crazy. It, it makes no sense. It's just it's like. Honestly, ju- I'm just as baffled that we saved the team as I am that the team was leaving in the first place. It's crazy. <laughs> I, I do wonder, I mean, like, we've certainly seen situations around the United States in different sports where professional teams move that have loyal fan bases. I, I do think around the country, we've seen a backlash in recent years to uh, public financing for stadiums owned by billionaires. Um, and, you know, I used to live in Seattle, uh, they refused to help out the Sonics. And so the Sonics moved. And so I I think everyone really did sort of assume that, especially because there was this contractual obligation that MLS signed when pre-court bought the crew, allowing him to move the team to Austin at a certain point. Mm. Um, is there any lesson from this? The Save the Crew, the success of Save the Crew that maybe fans in other cities might be able to take something from? Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, it's, it's uh, don't be afraid to be vulnerable, maybe. I don't know if that's, if that's uh, too Oprah-ish. How I said that, but, uh, 
I think that was I, I certainly was. Um, I was I was afraid to be vulnerable. I, I won't deny that, uh, which is why like anyone who's writing the history books on this Save the Crew movement, please leave my name out of it. I was a coward. Um, <laughs> I will admit that from the from the jump, uh, because like I I just didn't want to have my heart. I was like this is this sucks. They they're gonna do it. Like what can I do to stop this? Nothing. Um, but th- there were people that are like, we don't care. Like, listen, we might lose. We we might lose in a humiliating way. Like, I I would follow people on Twitter and and see uh, other uh, fans of other MLS teams like kind of mocking the Save the Crew movement. Like, it's it's so cute that you guys think you have any say in any of this. That that Don Garber cares what you're saying. Um, and they just kept at it. They're like, listen, it, I I understand this is easy for you to make fun of us, but uh, this matters to us, and we, we don't care. Like, if we go down. We're gonna go down swinging, um, and and the, and like that's why I said like it, it really is inspiring. Uh, I know the stakes might not be that big of a deal for people because you know some people can roll their eyes and say it's just sports, it's just a soccer team, whatever. But regardless of what the the the, the topic is, I think just having a group of people that are that passionate about something and and up against those odds and still just being steadfast and and, and resilient and uh, I don't know that that's pretty much it for me. It's just like. They were very, very vulnerable at every at every turn, um, and they very easily could have given up, and no one would have blamed them. I wouldn't have blamed them. I'm a, I'm a big crew fan. If at some point the people in charge of the Save the Crew movement would have been like, ah, you know what, we we kind of realized this is a lost cause, I would have been like, well, thanks anyway, man. We appreciate the effort. Uh, that was more than I expected, so we, we really appreciate that. But they just kept going, and uh, it's awesome. I don't know if it worked for other cities. I don't know if it worked for other sports, but uh, it certainly worked here, and I'm glad it did. So here's a question. You mentioned Don Garber, the MLS commissioner, who was front and center at this big uh, Columbus Crew announcement this week. Hero or villain, Don Garber? Yeah, it's hard. He's, he's played both sides pretty well. Isn't he? <laughs> um, that was that was the weird thing for me was he, how he would just kind of shrug his shoulders and just like, I don't know, man, if, if Precourt wants to move it, well, I guess we have to – because the way I was trying to liken it, and again, this isn't a this is an apples to orange comparison, I know, but I was like trying to explain it to like basketball people. Uh, obviously, I I know a lot of more basketball people than soccer people, so I was trying to get them to understand like what's actually happening. I was like, I, I understand it's going to sound preposterous when I say this, but just but just listen to me. This is sort of like if the Celtics were leaving Boston and you were in the and like the Boston guard, like they played the Olympics in the ball. Like every, every time, every time, like the dream team had a, a really big game in Boston garden and they were just going to tear down Boston garden and move the team to Charlotte or something. <laughs> I know it's not like the greatest analogy, but I was like, that was what was so weird to me. It was like the crew all were MLS. Like that was the, you know, I, it's been told a thousand times at this point, but that was always my understanding. It was like, were we not like the first team ever? Is this not Technically, like, the, yes. Is this not like the first stadium in the history of, soccer in, in america like the first again, soccer not, specific stadium yes yeah i'm not a soccer historian by any means but i was like this is kind of like sacred groundish. i know it was like the 90s so it's not like that old or whatever but at the same time um what <laughs> uh, so yeah it was very strange that garber was like well i don't know this is the way business is going these i, I don't know so i i was i was i, I would say like i spent so much of my my so much of my hatred is pointed towards pre-court that i i <laughs> don't really care that much about Gar- like I, I i just don't want garber to pretend like he's a hero and all this <laughs> I, i'm fine with being indifferent towards this but like i just don't want him to be like you guys are welcome i did this for you because he definitely did not that, that's kind of where i stand and i know there i should say there are plenty of crew fans who would say otherwise like he is like it's one a pre-court one b garber um <laughs> but for me it's like 
the, the guy the guy was just very malleable. He just wanted to fit it. Like for that, that's how Garber handled this. He's just like whoever I'm speaking to, I'm just gonna say what you want to hear, and uh, that's pretty much it. And it's kind of a cowardly move, but at the same time, I sort of understand it. Uh, and I don't know. I just don't want him pretending like he's the hero in all this. <laughs> so what happens when Precourt and Austin FC come to play in Columbus? Oh my God, that is gonna be so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, you said villain. Like you said, MLS needs more villains. This is this is going to be so exciting. Um, shoot, you, you saw what happened when Precourt actually came to one game. Like, what was that first game he ever came to at Crew Stadium uh, for the playoff game? Um, I, I can't wait. It's going to be. So, I, I I have a feeling he might not make it to that one. <laughs> he might. Something might come up, and, and the man himself might not be able to make it. <laughs> so we look at what's happening here, and you know, we do uh, at Sports Illustrated our MLS ambition rankings every year. Uh, we rank them from one to bottom, and the Columbus crew was at literally the bottom of our MLS ambition rankings in 2018. I'm trying to figure out where to put him now. Uh, it could be, it will likely be the biggest move in the history of the our ambition rankings. Like, how are you feeling about this? Is is this with all the the announcements of the new guys running the show, new ownership, new stadium? Like, what are the chances in your mind of Columbus becoming another Kansas City? Um. Yeah, so I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not super well versed in like how all of these. Uh, it, I don't really fully understand how Atlanta just suddenly becomes like, yeah, we're going to pack out of the football stadium every game out of nowhere with an expansion team, and how Kansas City's like, we have a dormant team, but if we snap our fingers, watch what happens next. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I, I don't completely understand that, uh, but I do feel like this. This there is definitely like a thing. Like th- that was one of the coolest things of actually living in Columbus as as the Save the Crew thing was going on was how many people who have no interest in soccer and never had any interest in the crew um, had an interest in that. And, and they were like, I, I don't really – I'm not going to watch the games this year or whatever, but I am going to follow this story. And and it, it uh, they got behind the story at least. And now that mm-hmm. the story has a satisfying conclusion, uh, hopefully some of those people come check out a game because it is, it is a ton of fun. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm very optimistic about it. I think uh, all all of the complaints that crew fans had were very real with the stadium, with the, the parking situation. Like, I can't reiterate it enough. These, these are not excuses for why, uh, uh, you know, some of the attendance problems were happening. These are reasons. These are not excuses. These are these are literally re- – like, I can't explain enough how much of a pain in the ass it was to go to home games <laughs> and where the stadium is located in the city um, on down the line. So – I think like just it reinvigorating the city, uh, getting people excited about something. Uh, you know, there, there's one other pro team in the city, and it's a, so- a, a hockey team that doesn't compete. It's not the same season, um, so at the, or the same time of year. I mean, right. so um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this is something. Hopefully, a new stadium, new ownership, something to get excited about. The the idea that that this really is our team in a lot of ways. I mean, it, it's easy for for professional sports franchises to be like, hey city we're in currently this is your team and then the city's like yeah this is our team and then you kind of like is it really though i don't really know but this really is our team i mean like it, it they tried to take it and the city of columbus said no we're going to keep our team um so now it's like it's undeniably become columbus's team like the way uh we kind of took it back from from the man I, I as i say so um hopefully that, that that gets the people who are kind of on the fence or kind of casual observers uh I, I don't know how many diehards this is going to create, but uh, you know, 
you got to start somewhere. A lot of people like me that'll just pop into gate like like I was in 2008, maybe get, get some more people to pop in like that. And then once you see it in person, I have a feeling more people are going to be joining the bandwagon for sure. Mark Titus is a writer at The Ringer, the host of the podcast One Shining Podcast, former basketball player at Ohio State, also a huge fan of the Columbus crew. He's at Club Trillion on Twitter. Mark, congratulations and thanks for joining the show. Grant, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I, I I love doing this. Um, I I also uh, I appreciate all your work. I really do. Uh, I, I you're pretty much the only soccer writer I read. And as I said, um, I, I, my my one suggestion is like dumb it down a little bit. Not all <laughs> not all of us have big brains, big soccer <laughs> brains like you. So uh, sometimes like just throw in some parentheticals. Just be like uh, cross the ball and then put in parentheses. That means when he kicked it across the field. <laughs> I will take that under advisement. Thank you, my friend. (laughs) All right. Take care, man. Thanks for listening to the Planet Football Podcast. I'd like to thank Mark Titus as well as everyone at Cadence 13 and Sports Illustrated who supports this podcast. Just a quick reminder, it's a huge help if you subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast. It helps people find us. And check out the 30-minute Planet Football video show hosted by me and Luis Miguel Echegaray on SITV. That's available on SI.TV, Amazon Channels, and Fubo TV. See you next time.